looking for a podcast about nothing, then you are definitely in the right spot. Join Ross Peterson and Mark Charter each week as they discuss life, current events, and the things you are not allowed to talk about at work. Okay, hang on, because here we go. This is Ross and Mark, Jump the Shark. Jump the Shark is sponsored by Charterhouse Real Estate. Charterhouse can help you save thousands when you sell, and we can help you buy your next home as well. Google Charterhouse to see hundreds of great reviews or learn more about us at charterhouseiowa.com. Now here is the show. I can feel it all the way down in my plum. We're off and running, and we welcome Ross to the Syndicate. Ross is in <laughs> the Syndicate Network. That's what we're talking about today. That's that stock symbol S Y N. How much money do you think I could collect oh, from people out of our listeners for the Syndicate? You guys need to tell them what the Syndicate is, what this is all about. Ross, we welcome you. We welcome you. you to Thank the you. Syndicate. Good to, be, good to be a part of uh, 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 such a successful team. Ross, let's see. I'm going to put it on you to describe in the best way you can what the Syndicate is for people. Uh, the syndicate is a network of, uh, gamblers who have pooled their money together to try to maximize profits over a short period of time. Correct. Is that, is that accurate? Very accurate. Okay. Okay. So we, uh, yeah. Which so far is more successful than day trading. Um, <laughs> Mark- now we are gonna we are gonna talk about stocks in the show, and we're gonna try to make it entertaining for you because of what's going on in the world. If you I, haven't heard this, you haven't been on Twitter or anything, frankly. I, lately, I promise we'll it'll be entertaining because you guys are gonna have to explain it to me. Who I've never done any of this. I, I don't really have much interest in it right now, but I am super fascinated in this story and why GameStop became such a news story yesterday, and Nokia, and all these companies that I would have thought were dead in the water. And so, yeah, I'm interested to have this conversation with you guys. That's Bensey, by the way, the other voice. I don't know if you here, said that. Here to talk a little football, a little gambling, yeah, cause we a little talk, stocks. There's a, there was a lot of football we've been talking around the office here. I think a lot of people have been doing that. Um, the big one that we've been talking about, because you're a big Packers fan. Big Packers fan. Not a huge surprise that, uh, you know, two things you don't do. You don't, you don't bet against the big boys in the stock market, and you don't bet against Tom Brady. So I did take Tampa in that one, so I won some money. Wow. I also took Tampa. You bet against your team, man. You know, it's one of those situations where if the Packers win, I'm happy. And it was three and a half, so I had that little middle in there. So if the Packers win by two or three, I get the best of both worlds. And that's happened before. So, But, you know, you win a couple hundred bucks in the game, you're still happy. Yep. The, uh, yeah, we'll we'll chat a little bit about football, but – so, Ross, what we wanted to talk about to start with was was what is going on in the world. And I, I think this is relevant to people, even if you're not uh, aware of what stocks really are, how they work, or or you've never bought a stock, et cetera. This story is a little bit bigger than whether or not you're invested in the market. This is essentially the little guy versus the man. That's what this story has become. So, earlier this week... GameStop. What was game? What was GameStop at Bensy to start with? Roughly uh, five bucks. I, I, like I thought it was even heard like three or something like yeah, that. Three five dollars. Okay, three bucks, five bucks, somewhere in there. Nate said it was what? Forty dollars two weeks ago. Oh, I thought it was like three dollars. No, it was higher oh, than was that. that but okay. re- but okay. regardless, yeah. okay. So so you got people on Wall Street 
uh, and when I say people, I mean hedge funds, billions and billions of dollars, that essentially bet against the company, GameStop. And they did this primarily because we're in this new digital age where you can download games, right? So a physical brick-and-mortar establishment that houses the actual physical game, they view is going to go away, like a blockbuster video or anything else. So they have shorted the stock, which means that they're hoping that the stock goes down. And when the stock goes down, they're able to profit off of that. And the, the concept of shorting stocks is really interesting to begin with. Basically, you don't buy the shares. You borrow them from someone else that has them. And then if it goes down, you sell it and you rebuy it at the lower price, return their shares to them, right? And they profit some. And then you've got the difference between where it was and where it went down to. Mm-hmm. You make a lot of money, okay? The downside to shorting a stock is if it goes up, then you're on the hook to pay this essential difference. difference and yeah. it could be a lot. Our buddy Lessman today gave an example and said if you had shorted $10,000 worth of stock at, I think he said it, at, at 20 bucks, and then that stock went up to 150 bucks, your 10,000, which you would view as your investment, you would owe 150 grand. Okay, so we're talking. Gosh. Okay, oh so my gosh. So short selling. <laughs> oh, that gives Ross me heart. Sweating. That gives me short, heart. Short, short <laughs> selling. Short selling in the stock world is the epitome of danger. Okay? Yeah. Huge, huge risk on that. So you've got billions and billions and billions of dollars shorted on GameStop, the stock. So word gets out, and I'm not an expert on this part, but there's a Reddit forum with lots of members on it. That's just, a, just Reddit threads. Everything's yeah, on threads. That has to do with Wall Street. And some somewhere it starts, the word gets out that this company's shorted, and people say, oh, I like GameStop or whatever. But mo- more important, it became about, let's stick it to the man, okay? Let's drive up the price of GameStop. Because, or GameStop, because if, we, if we go buy their stock, the price will go up, and those that have shorted it, We'll get hammered. And as of yesterday afternoon, there was 3.3 million people on that thread. And, and, and yeah, wow. almost blew up Reddit. So these, these wow. ideas happen all the time. That's a lot of you, power. You'll, you'll, hear, you'll hear a lot of people say, well, if we all collectively just went and bought this stock, it would go up and we'd all make money. And that is true. However, the tricky part is getting people to actually do it, right? It's just talk. Not enough people go and do it. In this case, enough people went and did it. They started buying GameStop stock. And it starts to go up through the roof, okay? It, it doubles, and then it doubles again, or whatever the case might be. So it's, it's up 1,700% on the year. It was just on here on CNN. And this is a stock that was doing nothing, okay? Well, and so th- it can, and, uh, it, I, I want to jump in here because I feel like this, I don't, wanna, I don't want this to come across like I'm rooting for the big guy at all. But I, but I feel like what's happened here is the way you've explained it, the people that are doing the short selling, these guys that are investing that $10,000 expecting the stock to drop, they've really done their homework. I mean, like when you you and I have talked about the documentary betting on zero, Uh, there's that movie with Steve Carell uh, about the housing market that kind of explains. I mean, they've done their homework, but essentially what they're looking at is, is a business model that's going to die. Exactly. That's that's what they're banking off. That's somebody failing. Yeah. But they're not even just banking off somebody failing. Well, they're 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 rooting for failure. In, in, in a, a Vegas example that Bensi would yeah. appreciate, this is the person that goes to the craps table and bets on the don't pass line. Correct. Which you're betting against the shooter at yeah. that point, which everyone at the table is going to view that person as an ass because they're rooting for the shooter to lose, and most people at the table are rooting for them to win. That's what a short seller is. You're yes. rooting for disaster. 
All right. There's no greater feeling than somebody coming in at, at Vegas. They throw 10K on the don't pass bar, and you hit the number. And you just look at it. <laughs> yeah. F yeah. off. Okay. Yep. All right. But th I, I, there seems to be a little bit of a slight difference there. Maybe I don't know anything about craps either, but the guy that's doing the short selling has hopefully, and I would think ideally, done a lot more investigating into this company than just walking up to the craps table. Correct. It, so my the, the bigger point that I want to make is, these people, these really smart people who looked at this business model and said it's a failing business model and it's a company that's going to go bankrupt at some point, probably very soon. And then this three million person army shows up and says, we can change, we can change that for a moment. We're not going to change the business model. We're not going to make GameStop successful. We're just going to stick it to you who did your homework, who took your money that you've probably worked hard to, to, to have to invest and now you've done this, you've taken this big risk, and we are going to come in and make sure that the dice land on the number. Because we, we have that power now, and we at the table can now make sure that that dice that come out of his hand are going to land and you're going to lose your money. Yes. And so I feel like it's, I, again, I don't want it to sound like I'm rooting for the big guy and I'm rooting for the guy at the pass line, but I feel like what's happening here is we've made sure that the underdog won the football game when they had no business winning the football game. That, yeah. we, that, that, the, that the buying power of those 3 million people on Reddit showed up. And again, good for them. It's cool. It's a really neat thing. And people made some money that weren't going to make money. And that's a neat thing. But they didn't change anything. You didn't change GameStop's business model. You didn't make GameStop a more successful company. Yeah. And, that, and that, the, that stock, that, the business is eventually going to collapse. And there's and two different things here, right? There's the business itself, which is GameStop, and then there's the, the market, the stock market, yeah. right? Their price going up doesn't necessarily mean that GameStop made a bunch more money, right? Because the company makes money when they do their IPO. That's, that's where they raise their money. After that, there's some there's some benefit to a higher stock price for a company, but it's not like GameStop's loaded now because their stock went up. That There's not that correlation. However, and, and, and as a quick side note, Ross, because we talked about a documentary, and this is, and we'll get back to what's happened now with the story and, yeah, why, right. and why it's kind of effed up. Yeah. But there's a movie called, or a documentary called Betting on Zero, yeah. which you and I have both seen. Yeah. And this revolves around the company Herbalife and one particular guy named uh, Bill Ackerman, who's a yeah. Wall Street hedge fund guy. And he took a short position, exactly what we're talking about, in Herbalife because his, his thought is Herbalife is a pyramid scheme, okay? It's, it's crap. It is a pyramid scheme, and it will crumble. So the movie's about his position and thinking, okay, and he comes out publicly and says, I don't like this company, et cetera. Then another guy steps in named Carl Icahn, okay, who's as rich, if not richer, okay, than Bill Ackerman is. And Carl Icahn, because he doesn't like Bill Ackerman says, F you. We're going to make sure this doesn't. I'm going to go buy a bunch of Herbalife. Load up on Herbalife. Yeah. So Bill, so Carl Icahn in this position is doing exactly what the normal common man is doing right now. He's taking okay? the position of those 3 million people. Correct. So sometimes yeah. in Wall Street, the, the titans battle each other. Okay. Why this is a story is this is Wall Street versus the common man. Okay. So what happens is the stock goes way, way up. And as of yesterday, Hedge funds, et cetera, were taking massive, massive hits Huge. on this stuff, all right? And it wasn't just this GameStop. There's a couple other stocks that were mentioned on the same thread. Nokia was one of them. Uh, BlackBerry was one of them. Now, why did these companies get chosen? Who knows? Bed Bath & Beyond was in there. It, it's just kind of, they AMC. just kind of picked them. AMC, the movie theater chain. Okay. All of these are dying companies, man. Uh, every, every one of these is a company that is 
So maybe part, maybe part of it's nostalgia. Maybe this group says, let's try to help these companies keep them around. So, so these, the prices skyrocket, right? And, and a lot of people yesterday made a lot of money. If you don't make money, if your stock goes up and you do nothing, right. it goes up, you got to sell it. Right. to sell it. Okay. So a lot of people yesterday, the common man, as we'll call them, or smaller investors, possibly made a lot of money. And then other companies, hedge funds, lost billions yesterday. Billions and billions. Because they basically had to get out of their short, which means buying the stock at where it is yeah. at that time, right? And that's why the loss is so big. So that all happened yesterday. So Bincy and I, and I'll put us on like out here, we buy a little bit of Nokia yesterday because we're like, all right, you know, let's Nokia was lower. It was, it was one of the it, lowest ones, like six, seven bucks. So we buy a little bit, you know, we didn't uh, risk our children's future on it, but just dabble a little bit because the theory would be this will continue for a while. Let's see if we can double, triple up our money and go from there. Overnight, Wall Street pulls some shenanigans. Now, this will be a story for a while on what exactly happened. So in order for you or me or Bensi to buy stock, we have to have a, a trade, a, a system to do it. A platform. Yeah. Right. TD Ameritrade would be one. But the common one that a lot of people are using right now is Robinhood. Robinhood's a very, very popular amongst the Robinhood is side a, people. Robinhood's an app. It's free to trade on there. It's easy. It's streamlined, et cetera. The people that are basement dwellers in mama's basement, I think that's... So one of, one of the ways, one of the ways Wall Street could stop these stocks from going up and protect the people that have their short positions, it's making it so people can't buy those stocks. Change the game, Ross. They changed the game now this how, morning. Now, how yeah. do you do that? Well, if you go on Robinhood this morning and try to bring up Nokia and buy some, it's not there. They only shut down trading on certain, certain stocks. Man. The ones that are the ones that are causing the problems right now, yeah. suddenly Robinhood who a few years ago put out a tweet that said, let the people trade, I right? They were, they were founded on this concept of let the mm. little guy get into an app that's easy to understand, that's easy to trade, et cetera. And now today, you can't go on there and trade. And Man. there's other there's other businesses that are doing the same, right? They're limiting what you can buy or maybe not at all. I heard rumors, TD Ameritrade, who I use, had done something similar. Okay. They're letting who, you sell. They're letting you sell. Oh, of, course, you of course they're letting you sell because that helps. Buy. But not letting you buy. But this is equivalent to, in a football game, you know, fourth and goal from the one, the two-yard line. I didn't get on fourth down. Let's give you a fifth down. Let's give you a sixth down. Yeah. yeah. Changing the rules of the game right. in the middle of it. Well, so, you guys, it, it was going to be fourth and three, but we decided yeah. that it was you only needed seven yards for a first down. So All right, kinda, first it it kind of feels <laughs> like, to, to give it more of a, a proper, uh, proper analogy to what we've seen in sports is, especially if you got a bet on it, fourth down comes up, right? And they need to convert, and it's an incomplete pass. And five seconds pass, and the ref from 35 yards down the field throws the flag. What, what just happened? To extend it, and you feel so gypped. Well, we brought up that, the in, uh, that, in that case, right? Uh, like 1990, the the infamous fifth down Colorado Buffaloes got. Was it Colorado? Yeah, Colorado, it was Colorado it was Missouri. Missouri. Colorado at Missouri. Missouri's in the lead. Colorado get the fifth down. Yeah, I think it was Darian Hagen takes it in yeah, what a for name. the touchdown. <laughs> and in Colorado, ultimately that. Allow them to win the national championship yeah. that year. Yeah. How many refs are on a field at once? Seven. Seven guys missed it. Seven That's guys un- missed it down. Un- unbelievable, yeah. dude, that that happened. Now, of course, maybe, they, maybe at that time they had, they might have been like five-man crews at that back then, but it would still have been multiple officials. And, and, and I mean, scoreboard operator, like the number of people that are involved in a game operations at, at an NAIA game. And I, <laughs> and I think there, a, there had been a penalty. Ridiculous. There had been a penalty or something yeah, in there that didn't some, get... 
get All right, counted so, correctly. But and I, man, I have that debaters training in me. All the, of of always trying to find nobody's nobody's that nobody's really dumb. Nobody's really really stupid in this conversation. So there's got to be some merit on all sides of it. There's got to be a reason that they did this. And I believe it is because the power of money. They, these the, these hedge funds stepped in and said, man, you're really screwing us over here. But I, I'm, I'm trying to find the avenue to defend it. And they, just hear me out. Like when you say, Bensi, the, the Robin Hood app guy is because the guy. Ross defending Wall Street. The Robin Dude, Hood I, app I, guy. I never thought gonna, this would happen. The uh, Robin Hood know. app guy. Just hear me out for a moment. I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm just kicking the tires here. I could be wrong. I usually am because I'm kind of a dummy. Just good at saying things. The Robinhood app, as Bensie said, is for those guys in their basement, those day traders that are hanging out in their underwear and they're looking to make a few extra dollars here and there and maybe they'll hit, hit big and they'll make a lot of money. What are they going to do with that money? They're going to sit on it. What are these hedge funds that now we've taken billions of dollars from? That what, what, were, what, were, what was happening with that money? Well, those were going to corporations and to multimillionaires that were creating jobs, that were building wealth, that were doing real pensions, things. A lot of pensions are, are with these companies. Mutual funds. And, and so, yeah, you, you've, you've certainly pulled from some mutual funds and some trust fund kids and all that, and you've, you've hurt some people that will never affect, ne- never, never be hurt by this. You've also probably affected some real employment power of some corporations and some people out there that were trying to build some stuff or on the verge of yeah. doing something big and great. And now all of a sudden we've taken from those people and we've disseminated that money out amongst 3 million people who are sitting in their mom's basement. So is there any, is there any merit to Robin hood or TD Ameritrade coming in and saying, Whoa, 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 there is a big, we've unleashed a beast here and it could crush a lot of things yeah, it's gonna. We're gonna see a, a transfer of wealth happen, and that could be a good thing for a lot of people, but it could also be a really bad thing for way more people. And I saw yesterday, and I was following the Reddit th- thread there for a while, just looking through thousands of posts. There was actually some pretty big, pl- and it wasn't all just Robin Hoods. There were some TD Ameritrade guys that are have some decent amount of coin. One guy turned nine hundred thousand into one point nine million yesterday afternoon. Now, obviously, if he didn't. Cash that out, right? It's, you got, yeah, right, like it, you always it, say, it's, it's only only counts if you cash only counts it out. If, <laughs> only counts if you cash out, and I, and that was the whole thing in the Reddit thread was don't you can't cash out. We the, the whole goal is to drive this thing about five hundred up to a thousand, and then start, and that's probably the they they put their game plan out there, what they were going to do. Well, it's exposing a flaw with the whole market in general, right? And it well the the flaw of the system is this. The stock price and what it can be, what can be done with the stock, if enough people collectively decide yeah. something, has absolutely zero to do with the company itself, right? Not, nothing. GameStop did nothing to deserve their stock going up a thousand percent, or whatever. BlackBerry did nothing. Nokia did nothing, and Nokia even came out with a statement yesterday that says we're not aware of anything that's driving up our stock price. Other than people said, let's drive up the stock price. Okay, hey guys, remember so how fun it is remember how much Snake was back in two thousand two? Hey, buy yeah. Nokia. It, so, Nokia. so it, so it is in, in theory. The whole market is a game, right? And we're just not good at playing it. But the problem is, we we were winning the game of Monopoly yesterday, and then they came in and took the rule book, scratched some things out, and handed it back and say, these are the rules now. Said, oh yeah, by the way, you were playing life the whole time. Yeah. So that's the part that people have a huge, huge issue I with. And, completely and, and, get and it. And it borders that's, on this. I'm not going to say what they did was criminal, but you got a lot of people, smart people in the world, the Mark Cubans of the world, and like voicing saying, this doesn't, 
seem right. This seems, not, this seems like right. outright market manipulation to take away the right for people to be able to go buy this. Completely stock. agree with you. That the, you you laid it out perfectly, Mark. In that betting on zero document, it's a, it's a perfect analogy of the guy who comes in and says, no, 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 we're not going to let this thing hit zero because I do believe in it. And he was one man, and no, and that's the way the game is played when it's one guy versus one guy. In this case, those 3 million people from Reddit just substituted themselves for that one individual. Correct. And the fact that they came in and did that, it, there's no doubt it, they moved the goalposts, they changed the game because yeah. not one of those 3 yeah. million people was able to stand up and say, whoa, yeah. This isn't how this is done. Because in the documentary, nobody went to Carl Icahn and said, uh, we're going to take away your ability to buy this stock. Right. You and, can't, and, you and can't do fact, that any longer. In fact, it was like, if I remember right, didn't the Herbalife guy even kind of pitch himself to this guy? Didn't he even kind of say, hey, I need 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 saving here and some Yeah, I don't, I don't recall that, but it's definitely a good documentary. Yeah. Betting on Zero, if, you, if you're any are interested at all in what this is. And honestly, a lot of people, like, if we're watching, um, what and is, it is this? It is, is this Mark, CNBC? Yeah, Mark, CNBC right now. We should say it is more than just that one story, too. Betting on Zero has, a, they, they explain this with a couple different stocks where it's very successful for some people. Like the one lady yeah. who's very young, and she is a multi, you know, she's just killing it because she does this over and over. Yeah. She just looks into companies, looks at their books, and then goes public and says, oh, yeah, by the way, this company, they're going to be broke someday. Hey, so, KK, do you recognize that guy on the TV, by the way? KK is not with us today. She's at a table. I'm just, yeah. He was at uh, Grant Cardone's deal. One of oh, the shoot. I must have missed him. Yeah, Ben C. Went, went to our conference and was at the craps table the whole time. <laughs> yeah. That guy, is, that guy played for the uh, Chicago Bears. That's on CNBC. What's his know. name? Uh, Nigerian is his last name. I think he was a linebacker. So since like, we started this, like it. so this, the GameStop stock tanked. It was up in the 350 range. Get down to 190. Yep. 20 minutes ago, it was at 190. Now it's already back up to 273. So it's back on the rise. So somebody's finding some kind of platform to build it back up. Haven't been on Reddit here in a while. but uh, So obviously, we've never in the history of the show, Ross, really talked about stocks. And that's not the point of the show. But this is a, this is a pivotal day on Wall Street. Yeah. Yeah. It, this is like, will people be able to continue to do these things moving into the future? Try to, try to essentially hurt companies that take short positions. Or will Wall Street and the SEC change the rule? They'll change the rules. That make us see can't. I don't know how you do that. They've already changed the rules this morning. Can't trade. Yeah, I don't know. Somewhere. I, I doubt this is coming from the SEC. And I don't know who runs Robinhood or who got in their head or whatever. Somewhere point, one of these billion-dollar hedge fund companies said, here, here's a, here's a pile of cash. Shut your That's shit down. Thing. You guys, have, I'm assuming Robinhood obviously takes a percentage of each trade that you do on their app. You say it's a free app, but it's free It's to a free download. app. Robinhood makes money in a, in a few different ways, but essentially part of what they do is they, they, they survive off what's called the float. So you put money in. Yep. Millions of people put it, money it, in, absolutely. right? And some of it's used for stock, but some of it's just sitting there. And they're using that they're money. They're using investing. that, I, okay. and they're making money off of that percentage. So, so they're... Uh, their uh, fiduciary responsibility would be towards those three, those millions of people that are using their app. But it's their not. loyalty should so be to the people using their app. Be, this is the point right? I'm getting to. It should be. So there's got to be. So the theory is there's got to be some ownership shared with some of these firms that are getting hurt by doing this. Okay, is it possible, Mark? That it is is Robinhood? They basically are like a broker. They are a broker. So and then the and then the stock market is like our MLS. So if the MLS comes to Charterhouse and says, we don't like your model anymore, and if you don't change your model, we're going to shut you down. Yeah. Now, 
who, who, how do we make our money? We make our money off customers yeah. and them coming in and using our, our product. But if we don't have the avenue to get them on the market, then we, we lose, lose all the stuff. Yeah. So that, so it's gotta be coming that other direction. It's gotta be where the, the stock market, whoever that is. Yeah. You're almost saying like, <laughs> you're almost saying like Robinhood would have to have permission from these companies to put them on their platform to be able to, to trade. I don't think it works quite I'm, like yeah, that. Trying to, that's where I'm trying but to get I at. I think you're there's some, the there's probably some ownership in yeah. common between or or Robinhood has to has to have somebody processing the trades that happen through the app. The people that are getting hurt might be the ones that are processing the trades. There has to be a link Man. for them to do this because the, they're they're taking it they're taking an action like they have a dog in the fight. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and they shouldn't have a dog in the fight at all. So if you did so if you invested your money yesterday, last night, by the you way, if bed, you're listening to this and you're smart and you know exactly why, not not what Robin's saying they're why they're saying they're doing it, because they're talking about volatility and all this stuff, which doesn't ring true at all. If you know why Robin Hood is actually doing this, tweet at us. We make we sure your know. brother listens to this before three years from now because I don't want to I don't want to <laughs> get a text a message one. from him in twenty twenty seven that says, yeah. Hey, by the Speaking way. Speaking of Robin Hood. <laughs> let's do that. If you invested last night, Ross, you're screwed. So right that, your your money is it's just all you, tanking. You put that's, your money that's fancy We're screwed. You put your money in and it's locked in and Robin Hood is not allowing you. You can go that, in that, and say you want to sell it, but you're not actually And we use T D Ameritrade, so we were allowed to trade Unreal. So wow. the Robin Hood people are not driving it up like we had hoped. That's that's where we're screwed. Okay. Yeah, our hope yeah, was yeah, that people would continue yeah. to buy it. And I so th and I think without this action, that would have okay. been true. People would have continued to buy it. But if you go to the store and they don't have the product, you can't buy the exactly product. Exactly right. Right? Yeah. So that's exactly what they're doing here, which is ridiculous. So anyway, that, that'll be our uh, wow our talk for the day. We are, we are better realtors than we are day traders. That is yeah, our, our living will not be in day trading. It will be in real estate and the I pulled a, I pulled a Nate Lee yesterday, guys. Sold a house in a day. That is great that, work. Huh? Boom. Wow. Except for that SYN stock symbol, right, Johnny? What's the, what's the, the syndicate? You oh. said I pulled a Nate Lee. I could have gone so many directions. I thought, okay, wait a minute. Ross met a girl and fell in love with her <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> Traded his minivan in or his Camaro in Camaro for a minivan. Ross, <laughs> Ross, Ross went to Target, saw a pretty girl in blue load in his pants. That would have been that would have been a neatly. What else? What else? <laughs> or spread, spread diseases around the office. Yeah, I got Corona four times. Ross got Corona four times yesterday. I don't know. If Nate's, Nate's Nate gave me the Rona. I think back in December. He was the he was patient zero. At one point, I thought pulling a Nate Lee was taking a dump in the office. Was that not? That was he's, he's the, back there doing it right now. Okay, okay. I think. All right. So, so, that, that, so no, no. I sold a house in a day, which was awesome, and put one on the market this morning, and already got to several. You, several my friend, books, are so. a machine. Well, I'm not a machine yet. I'm trying to get there. I'm trying to build the machine. As hey, we got as a I few can. people out there listening that might be thinking about <laughs> um, selling a house or buying a house coming up. Um, Do it today. So here's. So let me ask you two guys. You guys are out there in the field. You got your fingers on the pulse. What are you seeing happening in real estate? What would you tell our audience about what's actually happening that might be relevant to them? I'll go first because Ben has more experience. So I want to tell him as a as a guy who's been doing this for like nine months. Um, and I'm like, it sounds Especially like if factor in winter, too. I don't, this use, is, a, this is our yeah. slow season. I'm not a hyperbolic guy. This is crazy, man. It's nuts how I'm helping out a couple buyers where you, they will find houses that get posted. And by the time you reach out to the agent to book a showing, the house is pending. Yeah. And which is really rare for winter. And we, first of all, and, and how is we putting all time low for yeah. house on the market just in our, in our MLS. I mean, it's. More it's more crazy. than a thousand fewer homes. We were this at, year at this time. I think last year at this time year. was like th over three thousand. 
We're sitting around 1800 right now. You know, it's really frustrated to hear news like that because I always hate this. And I, I agree with you guys. Collectively speaking, the market is, is hot right now. Meaning if you have a house in a great price point, et cetera, it's going to sell quick, right? The price point is key. But the problem is people will say things like they'll, you know, they'll collectively hear the market is, is so hot right now, but we all know of people that have houses on the market that aren't selling. Right. And what do those people feel when they hear that? Everybody just said, oh, my house sold in a day or sold in three days. My house has been on the market for 45 days, 90 days, whatever, and hasn't sold. Honestly, the advice without knowing in each home is, is a specific thing unto itself. But typically speaking, you got to say your price is wrong. If price, that's the case, the your price is wrong. Yeah. I do. I think that, and you would. It's there are a lot of uh, little things that are factors there. Area. I mean, location, location, location. Location right? and price. That's what sells yeah. real estate. I think. Um, I think what happens too uh, when the market is hot, uh, people think they can overprice their house, and mm-hmm. it's just with, with when you talk about comps a lot, everything else, when everything else comparable is at a lower price point, all that other stuff is going to sell faster. So I I do think the hot market, the talk of the hot market, houses selling in a day or two, leads people to believe, oh, I can get 10 or 20 grand more for my house than my neighborhood. And that's just not true. Yeah. Uh, It'll go for the price that your neighbor sold for if it's a comparable house. Yep. That's uh, like I've noticed a lot of homes down in Norwalk. We sold one in November that was on the market for like a week down there but i've seen some houses that are sitting in norwalk that have been there for a little while so i don't know if that's price just, point it's price yeah, point it's price, location price and location you know right. little things like does it have egress windows or does it have a walkout basement you know i, I was just visiting a client yesterday uh they want a certain price point for their house nada doesn't even have an egress it has an egress in a bedroom kind of a dark basement very nice house you know they're pointing out four hundred thousand dollar houses or three hundred eighty thousand dollar houses that are selling those houses are a little bit different style than the ones they're trying to sell. Some of those yeah. are ranches, big walkouts, huge difference when you have a basement that's different. I mean, that could be the difference of ten, fifteen thousand dollars in in value just based on demand for that. Yeah. Here's the good news about Charter House Real Estate. Well, we have lots of things that make us good news, but the most important one, if you're one of those sellers out there, and no, we're not uh, re- recruiting existing business. I want to be clear about that. One of the beauties of what we do, and I've seen this, and it happened to me a couple weeks ago. It's happened to us a lot, frankly is our model set up to do two things and it just depends on where the person comes from right if they put their house on at the appropriate price and it sells quickly they've saved a bunch of money because of what we charge people right they paid us so for people that don't know you know if you hire an agent at six percent which is the norm and you got three hundred thousand dollar house you're going to pay eighteen thousand bucks in commission on that if you hire us you're going to pay eleven thousand four hundred ninety five bucks okay you're going to save a bunch of money and that's, it's as simple as that, right? We tell people what we do. I hope people understand it. We save you money when you sell your house. And of course, we can also help you buy. However, a lot of people try to sell and they're unsuccessful in doing it. And part of the reason they're unsuccessful is the price is wrong, but the price is what it is a lot of times because they got to be able to afford the commission, right? Yep. You got to be able to afford that $18,000. So in, in able to pay you, Ross, we got to price it here so we can. It makes sense for us to do that because I got to get yeah because I'm selling the house because I want money out of it. So I had <laughs> I had one of those recently, and this is what I tell a lot of people. Yeah, in a perfect world, you come to us first, and we put the the house on the market fresh, and you get to pocket some extra money. That's great, exactly. right? That's the goal. But what about the people that have tried other agencies and failed? I had one of those that had tried two different agencies before they found us. They called and I said, okay. 
you were priced at X, you were going to pay them 6%. So your bottom line would have been this. Here's the beauty of what we do. Let's drop your price $8,000 right off the bat. You're going to be at the exact same position financially as you would have been with them. But the difference is your house is going to look more appealing now and it's going to sell. And that happened. My list went out by KK and it sold within two or three days and it hadn't sold in months and months and months with other firms. So the, the strategy on how we charge and the price point can actually work both ways. It depends on when people come to us. And this isn't meant to be an infomercial about what we do, but what we do just makes sense. And I think what helps with, helps with us is there's probably a few agents out there that can accuse anybody of anything, but just for example, the latest client I met with, uh, their house was priced, what I thought was about 20 grand overpriced. Asked them how they derived that price. It was listed for four months, four showings. They just said, that's what our agent told us to list at. You know, I showed them all the comps, showed them how it was probably overpriced. Totally agreed with me. They didn't, the other agent had showed them no comps. You know, when I went through the comp process, showed them all the houses around them. They had never been through that process before. But they're, and under our model, we have no incentive to overprice your house for extra commission. Right, exactly. This is where our commission is. We're going to price it fairly. Yeah. Make the same on every deal. We treat the you know the customer that's a two hundred thousand dollar house and a four hundred fifty thousand dollar house the same. In fact, the the buying agent has an incentive to have your uh, uh, have the price as high as possible, so they get a higher. Commission. They they get more. Yeah, they want it to be higher. We also don't have an incentive to underprice your home. Sometimes people think, oh, you just want to underprice it to sell it because you don't care, right? Because your commission is twenty four ninety five on on our side, no matter what the thing that stops us from doing that is simply us being wrong. Like if we price your house too low, like literally too low, then you'll know because you'll have a crap load of people showing up right away and you're going to get tons of offers. That's a good sign. Now, not always the case. Sometimes you could price a property just right and that will happen because the house looks great or lack of inventory. But we're not going to do that strategically because we care about the reviews. We want people to say good things about our company. We don't want word getting out that we underpriced the house by 10000 when we didn't need to do it. So one common uh, misconception about how agents price homes is that they take the commission into consideration when they're doing that. Not at all. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't even come we into don't the, anyway. yeah, it We don't anyway. It doesn't even come into the equation. I, don't, I never think about it at all. You run the house for what it is, and then from there, you can say, here's your cost based on this on this property, but the commission itself has nothing to do with that. Unless you're having the conversation with a client like I just had, which is, you know, they've tried and failed, tried and failed, tried and failed. And you don't want to go on the market doing the exact same thing. So in that case, making a reduction makes sense. But again, the reduction does not hurt their bottom line. That's the most important part, right? What they walk away with is the same at the lower price because of the commission difference. So we have, however, in the last week or two seen uh, posts by agents saying all I care about is commission and making the most money. Oh, there's some, idi- there's some idiots. by that, man. I, uh, I'll read, I'll read the post. I'm not going to say we have, uh, yes, not- we have a, we have a realtor exchange knowledge exchange group on Facebook that a lot of us are a part of. I think all of us are a part of, and man, sometimes the stuff on there is, uh, I, Shocking. Well, I'm, what I don't like about that is it feels when you see things like that, it gives every realtor a bad name. It really does. It, I mean, because especially when you see people like doubling down on it, you see other you see a guy post something that says, "Man, I'm I'm looking out for me." Well, here's and then it, here, other, here's other the agents are like, "Yeah, like it and love it." And all this that. this agent this agent who does work for a Remax office. I'm going to say that there's lots of Remaxes. I'm not going to say his name. It's a guy, but whatever. Um, 
You just narrowed it down to about four thousand guys. I did. I narrowed it down. Good luck. Uh, Twenty eight hundred. Yeah. But this, <laughs> but this, this is what this agent says on this forum, and he said this publicly, publicly in the sense that a lot of other agents can see this. Okay, and he has no problem saying these words. He says it absolutely warms my heart when I sell a property and get paid three percent, and find out the other sucker agent took the listing for one or one and a half percent. Now he's not talking about us directly, but this is in a sense what we do. We make twenty four ninety five, and we're fine doing it. Otherwise, we wouldn't be doing it. Okay, but this is his mentality. He goes on to say, "I made double the listing agent and did less work, not having to list it, pay my assistant." He says. You know why most people do it for 3% because we're worth it, exclamation point. Well, I would argue that a lot of agents aren't worth anything you pay them because they suck. But he goes on to say, it's simple math. I'd rather sell 10 homes at a million each than sell 50 homes at 200,000 a piece. Less work, same money. Now, again, I would disagree with that part because we want to help more people, right? This isn't about how much money can I make with doing no work. It's about helping people. That's exactly. what we do. That's our model. Here's the, the crux of what he says, though. Uh, the next line. The only thing I care about is my total income. I could, I could give an S regarding volume. I know a lot of big agents that show big volume but give away their commission to get the deal. Fine by me. And here, another thing. So one, he only cares about his income too. Also, whenever I see a listing that is only paying 2.5%, I just stroll on by. All right, so here's, a, here's a, let, me, let, me explain, wow. let, me, let me explain that part. So you're, you've hired this agent, Okay. And As a, to, to buy a home. Like I said, the average commission is 6%, which means the average buyer's agent gets 3% when we help someone buy a house. And that's the beauty of our model. We take the twenty four ninety five, but we still offer 3%. So agents have every reason to go show our listing. What this guy's saying is, imagine you've hired him and, and you're, you're hoping that he finds you a great house because you're looking for the perfect one. The perfect house shows up on the MLS. He finds it. He scrolls down to where it says what the commission is going to be. He sees two and a half percent instead of three. And what does he do according to his own words? He just strolls on on by. Perfect house for you and your wife and your family. The one you've been dreaming about in your price point, in the neighborhood you wanted to see. He ain't even sending it to you because he's going to make a half percent less. So I commented on this or I, I posted this on our Facebook page. And I said, an agent mentality like that here would get you fired. You, you would be fired. You cannot work here when you think that way. What's alarming is he's not the only agent that thinks that way. It's bad. And, and this, is why, this is why I try to pimp Charterhouse. We're not saints here, okay? But everything we do is geared toward, is this good for the client? Are we being fair to the client? Are we treating the client well? When I see stuff like this, which is un- unfortunately common in our industry, things that I would say are agent first type things, it pisses me off. And people that are listening to this should be aware there are agents that think like this agent does they are not putting you first not at all they do not care about you they care about the check and that is it as disturbing to me as the comment was how many people seem to be backing that up cheering that on saying yep you're exactly right you get what you pay for um I, i i saw that unfold over and over through that forum and i just thought man I, this is not the stuff I was taught in my in our classes. This is not the uh, the, the ethics and the fiduciary it's, responsibility. It's gr- Ross, it's greed. All of the stuff that we were taught in those classes that you have to put first if you're going to be an agent for a client. It's, it's about the it's, client. It's about right? the client first. Right. It's about the client. It's not about... It's the la- the last thing is you and, and yours. And I've had several instances where I've had to take a little bit of commission cut for buyers, sellers. Dude, the, the last yeah, house just I just it. closed last Friday, I got paid 2.5% on. And did I care? No. 
I took the two, client found a great house yeah, for them. That's the, that's there'll the be a lot one. more deals this year. I don't care about that half percent. I took now, would I liked it to be three? Sure. Yeah. Of course. I took 2% on a FISBO that I helped a guy buy, but they were, they weren't offering anything. So you got the two, <laughs> and we got 2% and it was there. It's a, perfect home for him and his his wife. and you can and feel good about that and not only i'm I, i'm ecstatic about it it's and awesome. that client will probably think about you next time or tell a friend etc it's this one-off version that people have in their minds in our business like i've got to squeeze every penny out of every transaction no matter the cost that is so short-sighted and against what we teach here yeah. that it's frustrating it's frustrating to know that there's agents like this with this mentality that are out doing deals. And this particular agent does a decent amount of volume. He's not doing one deal a year, that's for sure. But it's just this whole like, uh, you know who's number one? Me. I'm number one. I come first, man. I don't care about the client. That bothers me. And it's hard to know that up front, by the way, if you're a client. If you're listening, you're like, well, I'm going to buy a house. How do I know if my agent's like that? In my opinion, you're talking about character <laughs> at you this imagine point, if man. You're in a home and you're like, you know what? We really like this house. I, I think we'd like to write an offer. I think we'd like to write an offer like it. 250 and your agent says let's make it three so i can make nine grand mm-hmm. yeah i mean it's yeah that's I the mean, mentality what, uh, what, why not right you guys are you guys are pre-approved you up guys to 325 should, you guys should pay more so i make more <laughs> exactly there's probably there's there's some mentality like that out there oh there 100 percent is and that's why you have to have a lot of trust in your agent right because what their job is essentially tied to what they make i think we've I mean, all been in this position works. you have a client maybe they're approved up to Six, seven, eight hundred thousand dollars. Oh yeah, Ben's these all the time. Yeah, uh, they're multiple. coming, Ross. They're coming, <laughs> and, but they only. You know, I got a, I got a deal last year because they were talking to a, another agent hadn't signed any any paperwork, or whatever, about you know either building or doing something. They approved up to like nine hundred thousand dollars. This other agent kept sending them stuff that was eight, nine hundred thousand yep. dollars, and they told me yep. up front. 400s are max. You know, they ended up getting something for 440, but I was sending them the stuff that was 350, 400, yeah. what they asked for, not 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 the mentality of, oh, you can afford 800, you know, get them what they want. Yep. Had the same thing happen with a, a couple I helped out with the buy and a sell. They had another agent they were having work with them on buy on looking for homes, but when we finally got to the process of buying, one of the things that he told me was they appreciated that I continued to send them homes in the lower part of their range. Give them what they and want. The other agent was continuing right at that three hundred thousand dollar mark. Yep. Over and over. And the one we bought was like two sixty five. In this business, it's the repeat customers that you, yep. you keep those people happy. The price thing's always a slippery slope too, and I tell clients this: if they say our max is four, you know, honestly, the the difference to your agent for us, I'll speak about us, right? The difference between us selling them a $400,000 house or a $375,000 house. Okay, there is a difference between those, right? But people get fixated on, well, my agent's trying to push me higher. We're talking about hundreds of dollars yeah. difference, right? What the, dollars. what the agent's focused on is the, the, the house, right? No matter what you buy, the three seventy five or the four, we're making 11,000 bucks or 12,000 bucks off that deal. Trust me, the agent should care way more about that. The fact that they're, you're even working with right, me right. and you're going to let, you know, we'll help you find a house. The agent's happy about that and grateful for that. So what I tell clients is if, if someone says our max is 400, just as an FYI to people that are working with agents, don't get super pissed if your client or your agent sends you something at 415 or 410 or whatever. That's the same range. Because we're thinking negotiation, yep. right? We can negotiate this down into your range. It's not the like, and again, I'm speaking for us at this table. It's not that, man, they're really trying to make the extra commission off of that 15000 or 10000 We're not talking about a ton of money in that situation. 
we're trying to find you a great house that does fit the range, but there's got to be a little give and take above the top of that range to get you down into it. So I don't know. I mean, ultimately, again, uh, talk uh, before you decide who you want to work with, vet them, look at Google reviews. Um, you can ask them for, you know, do you have any clients that would speak well of you? Great. Your just, numbers. I mean, just a reference like you would a job just interview. Do, do, some, do some work. And here's another thing, and hopefully some of our charter house agents will get business off of this. And this is something people do a lot. And now that spring's around the corner, hopefully, this is important. If you're a buyer, I always think like everybody knows this. It isn't true. Not everybody knows this. Remember these things if you're listening and you've never bought a home. If you are a buyer, you can have your own agent. Absolutely. Okay? You the, should, the, the, you should the, have your own agent. The, have seller, your own the, agent. Seller, the seller of the home pays the commission. It gets divided up. Okay, In most cases, the seller pays. Have your own agent. It does not cost, so when he says that, having a buy agent does not cost you commissions. Don't, don't go to an open house and fall in love with it and just say, well, we just decided to write the offer with the agent that was there. That's stupid. Don't do that. Absolutely. Leave and call a charter house agent. We're happy to come help you. We can do so quickly and you won't lose the house. There's just some of these things. But the most important thing is our advice, whether it's us or another great agent, there's obviously lots of great agents that work at other companies. If you're buying a house, have an agent. They're just going to know things that you don't know. Think about things that you're not thinking about. You're not, you're not saving any money on the buy side by doing the stuff yourself. No, no matter how much Googling you do. No. The, 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 the only case is if you know that the same agent on the house says that they're willing to reduce the commission, maybe then that there's there's a case where you can be. But a lot of times maybe. that's not happening. It's not happening. And dual agency, by the way, we're talking about dual agency where a same agent represents buyer and seller. If you trust the agent, it's okay. You can do it as long as you feel comfortable with it. Don't ever feel forced into it. And that's that open house scenario where, oh, it's just easier if you use me to write it up. You know, mm -hmm. you don't have your own agent. You don't need one. Well, the agent makes double the commission on yep. that sale. So, of course, they want that to happen, right? Don't do it. If you learn anything from this episode, get your own agent. And if you want a charter house agent and you like this podcast, we'd love that. We have 13 agents here now, so we can certainly hook you up with someone good. Also, be careful day trading. That's another day thing. trading. is definitely <laughs> dangerous. Def definitely don't day trade. Um, did we have anything specific to talk about for football? Well, what we're going to talk about was these scenarios at the end of games. Oh, um, God. The, the big one, obviously, is Matt LaFleur getting roasted for the Packers. You know, big Packers fan. Kicking the field goal when you have, you know, the league's MVP. Now, there's a couple things. Fourth that, and goal from the 10, right? <laughs> yeah, eight, eight yards. Um, I think it was two. By kicking the field goal, they upped their, I guess, chances of winning by 2.5%. Very low. So the, the analytics say, yes, kicking the field goal is right. Doesn't really pass the eye test, so does it? The analytics were dumb because their chances to win at that time were like twenty five percent and went up to twenty seven point five percent. So, so overall, your odds still stunk. Now, what I what I don't think is being talked about enough, and this I think this happens all too often in the game of football. I think they screwed themselves by chasing points too early. Mm -hmm. They went for t at the end of the third quarter, they tried to get it within that three yep. point range. If they just would have kicked the field, got it to twenty four twenty eight. You got to think ahead what's going to happen. Okay, Tampa can kick a field goal, and that's exactly We're what happened. We're still within seven. We're still within seven. People chasing points too early. Not a lot of points to go for two before early. the fourth quarter. Just kick it, get within the, you know, you're still within, at that point, we've been within four, so yeah. either touchdown or field goal. Um, but, but by Tampa kicking that, holding them to the field goal, which is what your defense did what they're supposed to do, still within seven. Because then at that point, if LaFour. Is at the eight yard line, needs seven points. You're going for yeah. it every time. Yeah, right. that changes the whole complexion of the game. And that time, if, if you're down seven, 
Uh, and of course, the the PAT is not a given anymore yeah. in the NFL either. So maybe that was was, was some consideration. But you got Mason Crosby, the, the the Packers kicker. I think he's missed one PAT this year, and he's a hundred percent on his field goals. Yeah. So the likelihood of him missing that's very low. But if you if you're only down seven at that point, and let's just say you miss it, now Tampa's backed up inside their ten, and then you know I know as a football coach, as a you know I coached mainly on the defensive side of the ball. You love it when a team's inside their ten yard line. Yeah. You can do a lot of things defensively. Your playbooks get, gets pr- pretty limited, right? As, that, as an that offensive one didn't make caller. a lot of sense. But the one that made least sense to me or less sense was Ross. Okay, I'm, your position is is the opposite of mine. Okay, I love to stretch your brain on this. Tell me, tell me the argument for doing so was the Bills Chiefs game. The Bills scored, and yes. it was coming down to about five minutes left in the game. Okay. So you're the Bills coach at this point. An extra point gets, okay, get, get, gets you within 16 points. Okay, Chances of winning are slim. Now keep in mind, after this all happens, they kick an onside kick and they do recover it. Okay, So kicking the extra point gets you within 16. Time's running out. Two possessions, you've got a chance. Okay, Going for two and missing it yeah. means you need three scores with about five minutes left. Yeah, They go for two. Yeah. Give me, give you know, me, give me your thoughts, Coach. Now, Why did you do that? Uh, I, I think you're, you're misremembering. I, I defended a little bit more the Green Bay decision just because it. The idea behind that is that you're keeping your team, uh, you're keeping that chance alive. If you go for the touchdown on fourth and goal, and you don't get it. You've essentially ended the game there. By well, kick- you're still within I, one score. I, yeah, but but by kicking the field goal, it's. I mean, I'm I'm not defending it. I'm saying that's the logic that the coaches use. Yeah. My argument was the field goal was the, essentially kind of worthless at that point. Right. The, there was points on the board, but points that didn't matter. This yeah. one to me in the Bills was is stranger. This goes back to the chasing points thing. That yeah, by. Going for that. I'm agreeing with them, you jerks. Not a lot of difference between 17 points and 15. I mean, get it to 16. Right. With, with the that, that, like the logic of keeping your team in the game as long as possible would say you actually kick it there and make it a two-point, two-possession game. Yeah. Theoretically, as we said. While, I mean, it, was, while it was a long shot either way. Yeah. Now, I'm needing three more scores with five minutes to go. It's basically saying the game is done. That's, it's over. Right. Do you think point. so? Why? And I don't know if he was ever even asked because it ended up being a fairly lopsided score. And sometimes people don't dwell on those things. I just look at these things and say, okay, okay. Apparently, some math somewhere said that you're supposed to do this, but why would you risk just having the game be done? At do you that point think versus in the NFL, having your team have hope? Do you think in the NFL that PAT getting moved back changes some of this thinking? Because I, 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 I feel like this, a lot of this stuff has happened. Now the PATs move back. I mean, it, it's, it used to be automatic. Yeah. And now it's a yeah, 85%? It's like, yeah, but it's, it's, like it's, still, it's still. still a much higher percentage than two, it's like two it's, point it's conversion. It's gone down from 99 to like 94% is, yeah. the, is, the, is the conversion much rate. Much higher conversion rate. It feels like there's a lot more that are missed than that. Well, it feels like they're... Because you, 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 you never saw the misses. Right, right. You notice the misses when they happen. Yeah. Um, but I'm reminded of you know Packers at Seattle. It was 2015 NFC Championship game. 14, Packers are up with four minutes by six. I mean, Seattle scores, get within 16, get a, you know, get a stop of the pack, three minutes to go, score, two-point conversion, onside kick, which a guy, you know, and ultimately got cut for, a Packer, got cut because he screwed up the onside kick, catching it. 
He had um, one job. He 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 could have just let it go to I believe it was Jordy oh, oh, Jordy you Nelson. You had one job out there today, he, he was and a, you fucked it up. He did. Frontline guy so jumps you are up. Gone. A backup tight end jumps up, tips the ball. It was going right to Jordy Nelson, who's your best player at the time. Cost him a chance to go to the Super Bowl. You know, so the in that moment, Seattle with four minutes to go is down sixteen. Come back, tie the game, win it in overtime. They're going to the Super Bowl. Man, you know, so those things are in which they. Beat Denver that year. So, huge, huge plays. So, I don't know. And typically, each staff has, you know, when I was in, in college, you know, college coaching, and it's a little bit different because the PAT is a little bit more automatic now, but you had that little chart, and I was usually the guy. When to go for two. When to go for two. Yeah. And our, when we you usually talk about it as a staff, you don't really chase points right. in the third quarter. Yeah. You go for two when you need it. Go for go two for when two. you need it. Try to try to get points on the board, you know, kick field goals when you can. It all depends on the situation. I have... And there are a few times when you are that there you go for two when you're actually winning, right? When you're what was the scenario? When you're up by uh are you up by six. Oh no, excuse me, when you're up by five. five. Yeah, we're up by five. Doesn't you get by six, so you go for the two. Right? Or you're there up you by four, you can make it yeah. six. So you yeah. put the, it's just all these or multiples. Twelve and things like that. Yeah, if you're up by twelve, make it fourteen. Yeah. So there's you know, there's there is a little chart that most guys have. I don't know if they're still using on the sideline. There's usually an analytics and you it's probably the same guy that's like in the NFL, the the red challenge flight guy. Yeah. You know? And those guys, if they make the wrong decision, if they say to Andy Reid, you better throw the flag now, and it wasn't a time and it cost him a timeout, yeah. that guy's probably getting shit canned. I would guess. It, um, it's, it's shout out time here, by the way. Shout out. Shout out. Uh, Terrell is a new agent here. She got yeah. her. She got her license yesterday. Terrell Bowers. Terrell Bowers. Ray Terrell. Uh, Ray. I feel like I should uh, say more. Ask people. Ter- Terrell Bowers. Terrell. Terrell is a beautiful white she's a, woman. She's a white woman. Yeah. So. Wow, that, sounded, that sounded kind of racial. Kind of well, did. But you know, I, I, cert, cert, certain names make you wonder. If I hear Terrell, I'm thinking Terrell Owens instantly. If I hear yep. the name Terrell, so that's just, that's just a vision I get in my mind. Another uh, shout out to uh, another one of our agents. The uh, I don't know if this is a... Oh, oh, it's my favorite song. Oh, yeah, it was Tay-Tay's birthday, right? Tay-Tay. Yesterday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Birthday to you. Bada, bada. Taylor turned twenty-one yesterday. Taylor is our youngest agent here at Charter House. Apparently, she spent the night getting hammered. Oh shots, yeah! Shots, 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 shots. Yeah, she totally, totally did. Shots. Yeah, twenty-one. It's the birthday we all shots, remember. Shots, shots. Do you guys remember what you did for your twenty-first birthday? I took. Because it was it was in football camp at the time, and you're, days. You're, you're joking, by the way. Taylor didn't go out and do that. Stop it. Taylor didn't. Taylor didn't get him. I took twenty. So I, I feel like I was lucky, and I. You yeah. What did you do for yours? I took twenty-one water shots at football practice. What? I was at a football camp. What do you mean? For my twenty-first birthday, you didn't, you didn't have like a beer. I, maybe. I mean, I was. My ass is whooped. It was three, oh. we, we we had three a days back then. Twenty-one water shots. Three a days. And you know, and I was one of those guys. I, I, shit, I started drinking. That's why you have CTE, man. I started. I started drinking. When I was fourteen. So yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. 21. I guess twenty-one wasn't a big deal for you. At Not all. as big a deal. You went to, we went to Malarkey's when we were sixteen. Yeah, I mean, um, I was drinking. I, I my older brother was four years older than me, so I had a fake ID when I was like seventeen. Yeah. So did my twenty-first birthday. Wait, like, I was, hold on, a fake ID, like of you? I had, or a, was this no, another no, person? No, no, no. I, I, my brother and I looked enough. I had a real ID. I shouldn't call it a fake ID. Yeah, I had my brother's ID that I would carry around, 
and we looked enough alike yeah. that it passed. Uh, he's bigger than me, so it was you know I I'd, I'd stand on my tiptoes or whatnot. But yeah, so we're all in the same area, and this is what we did. You were a seventy eighter as well. I, I had an idea that so I could arrange part yes. of the eight. It, we changed the eight to a six. And that's what I had. I did mine to a three. I think we did our thing. To three. Whoa, we went. I went. I went eight to a six, and it was one of those where you still could peel back and you could do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you could even change it on the on the the newer ones when they came out. But yeah, yeah. tons of guys in my area, dude. Change the eight, change the eight to a six. Go to bars. Yeah, so, eight, so eight, eight was a good that one deal. because you could change it fairly easily. And at, the, at, at that point, it's like a lot a harder. Seven would be a lot harder to to change to something else. That's yeah. a lot harder to do on the new AD, uh, oh, ideas because of the, holo- the holograms. And all, they, they learned quickly. Yeah, they have technology now. Well, now they scan them. They didn't scan anything back then. Ross is giggling over R- here. Ross knows somebody right now on the east side in a van. If you need, is a that fake what you're ID, saying, Ross? You know a guy? He knows a guy. Here, I've, we've talked about this guy before on this podcast. I, I have a buddy that was an absolute renaissance man of stuff. Now he, it, it, it led down some dark paths, and he at some point was a guy that you could probably. I mean, Mark has asked me oh, if I would have asked you to hire somebody to kill somebody. I don't know that, but I <laughs> at one point in time, maybe at one point in time, my answer would have been maybe, and this would have been the guy because he just was out of control. A totally different dude now. He's turned his life around and he's a huge part of recovery with people in Des Moines. So he's an awesome dude. Yeah. When I was his roommate, he made fake IDs. Now, were they the peel back kind? And it was, they had, they had just started the thing with the hologram on them. Okay. Oh, but, but there was still a way to do it. And, and you basically took an X-Acto knife and you would yep. do the same thing. You'd, you'd carve off the side of the eight or you would change something on the digit. But Travis, this guy had a way oh, of, uh, this guy had a way where he would take the entire number off and then he replace would it. replace it. He would print he would print on a piece of paper. I I, I don't remember if it was a now, kind the, of piece of paper, but basically time, he would put it he would transfer it onto a piece of like clear packing tape. And, able to, yeah, and then lay that over the top of the ID and then cut the packing tape around the ID so you still had that shine yeah. of now, that the hologram I'm lo- would be. Man, I'm looking at my ID. There's a lot of stuff on this ID now. So that's the thing. Man. You he wouldn't you wouldn't have to duplicate any of that stuff. All you were trying to do was change, it change that one little number and then put that keep that you know what's weird? film on it. Do you guys notice this? You have you have three I, three pictures on your license. Three. You got your main one, and then there's two smaller ones. I don't know why they have two smaller ones. The if you feel your license too, the birth date is raised. Probably okay. for that reason. Probably for that reason. You're supposed to feel it. You can feel it now. It's, it's literally raised. Man, I hope there's a statute of limitations. If this was 25 oh, years yeah. ago, this was happening. If you're old enough to remember, this reminds me. By the way, by October, you need to have this little star on your license. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's the. It's called the real ID. I yeah. think yeah. I've already yeah. got mine ready to go. Um. But it, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm going off of memory, wasn't the ID number, like the license number, didn't it also end in the last digit of your birth date as well? So like the like I, for I us, it would have been eight. Yeah, eight. I think it used to at yeah. that point. Yeah, mine doesn't yeah. now. If it didn't match up back then, then you're yeah, in trouble. it had to match. I think that was one of the things I was going off of as well. So so the big I don't know if you guys remember like when we first got our permits. Might have been my first time I got my license. Do you remember? It was like a peel back. Like you could peel the yeah. license in two. Yeah. If you washed it, you were screwed. Yeah. The big thing. Yeah, these are not peeled. I remember with those peel back ones, for some reason, the the numbers in the telephone book were very, very close to the same oh size. Oh my gosh, Bensi, you might so, be on. Hey, that hey, hey will you, so you got guys, your phone handy? Guys, yeah. text, text your guy. 
Guys uh, would take not, numbers. Not, not the guy you were just talking about. Text, text your cop friend and ask him why there are three pictures on a driver's license. I want to know the answer to this one. The main one and then two small ones off to the right. So when there's got to be a reason for that. When you had the peel back ID, guys would peel it back and would take numbers out of the phone book. And like kind of like Ross was saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. get them to ma- get them on there. And then put that down. Yeah. It would iron it back on there. So like the, it was very, here we are thinking like as we're getting into bars underage, we're thinking this stuff's working. And the reality is that bouncer doesn't even care. Didn't even give a crap. I mean, right? he's, he's, he's like, they he's all like, knew. Oh, that's a bad right? fake. That's, that's Let's a go horrible on. fake. Go on but like, spend your money. Kid. I used mine to take my grandma to a casino in South Dakota. Big surprise when I was like 19. Do most bars. Okay. I'm 42. So I'm not getting ID'd a lot now. No, are, are most bars scanning IDs now? Are they running them through a, a, a machine? So. Are they still vi- been, visibly I, checking them? I'm, I don't know how much. They probably of, look. Hey, KK, you're young. How much are those machines? What do bars do for your ID? KK, when you're, when you're bar them? hopping, they just look. Okay. Well, it's still old school, and, I guess. And you notice that the date of birth on here is on here twice now. The raised... Let's get data burst. So if you, I mean, you got to do some. I am curious about this photo thing, though. Why? What? What's? Dude, the, it's just for fraud, right? I mean, that's just. It's just. I mean, it's it's the same reason. Yeah, why but why? But what? Like, why a black and white and plus a colored to one? Make it's it, weird to make Love it harder and harder and harder to duplicate it. That's it, that's I mean, it. I, I mean, that's my guess on it. It reminds me of the greatest of all time idea of all time, McLovin from Hawaii. Twenty-five <laughs> <laughs> year old organ donor from Hawaii, McLovin. McLovin, one name. Oh man, talk about a, a joke that worked well, man. That thing, that thing's still out I there. Tell you twenty what, years later, what makes that is a perfect marriage of writing and casting. That show had that to make millions because the the cost to make oh, that sure movie was, was low. the cost to make that movie was super bad. Yeah, um, yeah. the budget that, was. They low. might have done under a million bucks. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. I would uh, doubt that, here, but, I would, but, but oh, yeah. there's websites that tell us these types of things. Certainly was. It had uh, to be very, what was the production budget of Super Bad? Super Bad. Let's look. Because none of those kids were like big stars, huge yet. stars. Michael Sarah would have been the 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 biggest one. Yeah. I mean, it, Jonah Hill was nobody. Kind of known at that Jonah, point. Jonah Hill was unknown. You had uh, who else was even in Seth that? Seth Rogen. This this says oh yeah, Seth Rogen and uh, and Bill Hader yeah. played the cops. That's right. Yeah, this could, is what's interesting though. This, this says uh, this says twenty million, which who knows? But it obviously killed and made a ton of money. Maybe it was twenty million. But to give perspective, like the forty year old virgin who did have a legit actor in it was 26 million according to this i mean you probably had to pay you might have had to pay 20 million is low it's a low budget oh, for yeah. a hollywood film that's for, that's for sure there's a lot of people a lot of extras in that probably had to pay uh rogan and and hater a little bit let's see how close you guys get to this hold on a second i'm gonna look up box office mojo that's a good place to go for numbers by the way i really hope my voice in double time sounds good to Ryan <laughs> Shout Gros out, ears. Sh- Dude, have you done that before? Have you listened? Like, I was listening to our show, Ross, the other day just to try it off double time. I hope um, it's Which, which means speed it up ears. like you're listening twice as fast. And it actually went up on the setting that I was on. Um, we were on an app. or I was on the Audible app, I think. And it was, and it was I think maybe you could do four times or three and a half times. I could not even understand it. I'm, I'm like, gr- how do humans understand what is being said that are listening at three and a half times speed. Do you think Grove could train his ears? Like he'd go like two times. Oh, one. Grove could. He's like, then, man, then train it to like 2.25 the next week, then 2.3, just, just up it maybe, a little. Maybe not, maybe not week to week, but I absolutely do think you could do that. You could amp that up. It's the same way as talking fast. Um, that you can, that when I was a debater in high school, the, it, we had a policy. 
we did what was called policy debate instead of Lincoln Douglas, where it was the am amount of points that you could make. Yes, it was like Olympic style boxing. It didn't matter how strong your points were; it mattered how many, how many you hits threw you got out in. There. And so the idea was that you talk as fast as possible, and you would read everything you could, and you for three minutes you'd just yeah. read as much stuff as you possibly micro could. Micro machine, you'd, just, yeah, you'd micro machine everything. And it was something you had to train yourself to be able to do and get better at and get better at. And then you had to train your ear to be able to to do it too. So I, lo I love it. Speaking of loving it. It's time for movie box office trivia. Ross's favorite game show. He has no clue, but we're going to make him do it anyway. These people have no clue. They can't hear it. All right, here we go. I'm going to give you guys just a couple trivia questions here to wrap up the show. Hopefully I can win a new minivan. I would, I would, I would give this Your to... Your prize, by the way, is free lunch. Oh, I was, if it was a minivan, I was going to give it to Nate Lee for him and his growing family. All right. Who would like to go first on this guess? I'll go first. Give me... The year was 2007. Yes, it was. Superbad yep. comes out. Okay. Worldwide gross for this film was what? $157 million. Ross is in the bank with $157 million. Bensie, your guess. Worldwide for the, I mean, opening weekend? Or no, the whole, the whole run. The whole run is super bad. Wow. Box, box, we're talking box office, right? Go over my 157. The box office. Correct. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if it's box office, I don't even. Yeah, maybe not. I don't think it's that high. I think it was a more of a cult classic on DVD. I'm going to go 126. The winner is. Ross, $170 million. Wow. Close, sir. Yeah. Um, all right. Can you name, I want to see if this is right. I got top lifetime grosses. And I think, hold on, I got to see if this is, I want to give you guys accurate information here. Oh, that's what this podcast is oh, okay, all about. Okay, okay, okay. All right. So this is domestic. Okay. D domestic all-time grosses. Okay. Does this count Hawaii? And, does that count Hawaii and Alaska and Puerto sure, Rico? I'm sure that it does. Okay. All right. Well, Guam. So, top 10. How many... I'll give you guys just a few guesses. Let's see if you get any of these. How many of the top 10 domestic grosses of all time can you name? This is one of these where everyone always thinks they know these things. And I was like... Really? I, is this adjusted for inflation? I have, no, I have no idea. I, Titanic. I guess not. Yeah, so my guess is that we can get like three of these because I would guess Titanic and Avatar. Was that the name of that movie? Was that the one with the blue people? That, that is the name made of that movie. Made, yep. a bunch of movie yep. made a bunch yep. of money. Yep. Star Wars, like uh, The Empire Strikes Back. Man. I'm going to go with the entire, like, or is it Return of the Jedi? One of those is way up there. But so, dude, I, I, I Return know, of the Jedi. I've heard these lists before, and I'm, I know... I don't know these movies because unless it isn't adjusted for inflation. I mean, of course, there are movies everyone's heard of. But it's a lot of current movies because of the price of, uh, of tickets. movie tickets yeah. and all that. Right. So out of this list, um, the, top, the top 10. Actually, this is interesting. If you go to the top 20 movies, there are three of them that are from the 1900s. Wow. Ooh, Gone with the Wind. No, it's no, too early. I would oh, you mean you like, mean this is in the 1900s? Yeah, yeah, I would even like maybe Home Alone. Uh, so Titanic is number six. That's and it was 1997. Okay, well, Empire Strikes Back is one of the Star Wars. The other, know. the other two are are both Star Wars movies. Wow. But here's what's interesting: 
This says Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Yeah. Ooh, that's. And it yeah. says year 1999, but then yeah. it says Star Wars Episode Four: A yeah. New Hope. Yeah. But it that's says 1977. No, no. Mark, Mark does. Mark has no idea how Star Wars works. Yeah. So the very first, the very first Star Wars that ever came out, the very first oh, thing that's that now considered four. That's is a new Episode hope. Four, which is why Got they it. did the prequels Got when it. we were out of high school. All right. Here's your list, by the way. Uh, top ten Star Wars episode. Seven is the number one. Nine hundred thirty-six million dollars domestic, made over two billion worldwide. Good job, wow. Bensi. Good job, you nailed it. With number the Star two Wars. is Avenger, Avengers Endgame. Yeah, I should have come up with the Marvel so stuff. All the, all the, all those yeah, new, so yeah. all this new stuff, money wise, is just because the price yeah. Of tickets. Three is Avatar. Four is Black Panther. Five is Avengers Infinity War. Avengers. Then is Titanic. Avengers. Holy cow! Then Jurassic World. Yeah. Then number yeah. eight is the Avengers. Number nine is Star Wars Episode Eight. Dude, How many different Jurassic? And number said, ten is Incredibles too. So here's the point: we sci-fi, did, wow. sci-fi slash comic slash whatever. Getting Big kids, getting kids there. Incredibles two is the tenth. Correct. Six hundred and eight million dollars oh, worldwide did one billion two hundred forty three million dollars wow i wonder a, where like for a cartoon toy story and something now i'm now i'm really interested in the, in the anime because i don't even think i've seen incredible toy story too. 4 would be the first toy story on here and it is 434 so it's million all about the the, the money money yeah. domestic toy story 3 made four hundred. i mean yeah think about it when when a new hope came out a ticket was probably Fifty cents, uh, a yeah, dollar, yeah, not a, yeah, not a buck. I'd say maybe fifty cents, seventy-five cents. So yeah. you've got you got dinosaurs, you got a disaster film, a Titanic, you got all these stuff. It's kind of interesting. How far do you have to go down the list before not a cartoon, before a movie that's not based on comics, like all those genres, to get to find a movie? What would be the first one? Um, cartoon, 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 Frozen, Beauty and the Beast, Finding Dory. Uh, the theme is getting going. kids. Dark there. Knights has, has done well, but that's Batman, Shrek, cartoon. Um, E.T. would be yeah, kind of that that's same. still sci-fi. That's a, that's a classic. Uh, Captain Marvel, Toy Story, Hunger Games. Um, so Hunger Games, Pirates of the Caribbean. Those aren't those are little quite little kids. Still a little bit fantasy theme-y. and yeah. Toy Story, Wonder Woman, Iron Man. I'm still going down the list. Hunger the, Games. The theme. The theme Jumanji is getting, was basically a board game. Yeah. Jurassic Park. The theme is getting kids to the theater though. Hell yeah. yeah. Oh, Spider Man. Harry Potter's Finding Nemo. Spider Man. Uh, probably the well, I don't know. The first one that I come to is number forty-seven. The Passion of the Christ was forty-seventh. That was not based off of you know. That was huge when that came out. That was an event. Did you like that one? But man, I don't lots that of cartoons. I mean, that's like it's like. Did you like uh, uh, what, was Hol- what was the Holocaust? I mean, movie yeah, get get Schindler's the Schindler's Schindler's list. list. Well, yeah. same it, stuff. Here's one like of the it? keys. Oh, one of the dark. keys is yeah. a film that adults and children can both go to. Correct. You know, either together or individually. That's going to be a moneymaker. They can go to. That's going to be a cash cow. I will go on the record. I have vehement hate for Titanic. Really? Oh, let him on the goddamn board. That's just ridiculous. <laughs> they've, we done were, a, they've done episodes about that off of just uh, ridiculous. Mythbusters. Mythbusters, whether they could have both fit. On the board. Yes, they could have. When, when we were in, um, uh, when we were at Disney, we went to a I don't know, Planet Hollywood or one of the things that has like Hollywood um, props from movies. And one of the th- and one of the things they had there was the door. And Aaron even took a picture of it. Like, as we were walking past it, Aaron's like, oh, you're damn right two people can fit Now, if it was me, it'd be dicey, but... I but, mean, yeah, I can't put two DiCaprio's not, DiCaprio's not a very big dude. He's, He's like, built like me. Exactly. Get him on there. Come on, Rhodes, you what? fucking bitch. <laughs> 
let him on the door. We're definitely going the explicit hour, route on this Hour, one. 10 minutes to get the F&B. Uh, yeah. I, okay, last one. A, a favorite of Bensie's. I, I don't know if Ross likes this movie or not. Uh, Rounders, Ross. Oh. Found a fan of Rounders? I wouldn't Rounders. say favorite. A fan of it. Yeah, it's, it's a good, good movie. From this last time, How, stick it in you. Oh, How good is John Malkovich know. in that? He's great. He's right. phenomenal. Worldwide box office gross. Ross, Bensie goes first this time. For Rounders? For Rounders. Worldwide. Uh... At that time, hundred. It was ninety, nineteen ninety eight. Oh, Benzie's way over what I was thinking. Ooh, is it? That's a big one. One hundred and sixty six million. Whoa, my way above. What are you thinking, Ross? Uh, yeah, what I was. Thinking? I like my. If I would have gone first, I would have guessed like forty two million. Is that your guess? Yeah, twenty two million. Wow, that's yeah. it. It's one that found success after afterwards the theater. And the thing that really, really, really kicked it off was I think shortly thereafter, Chris Moneymaker won Online the World poker. Series of Poker. Yeah. Which created the poker boom, and, and that then was everybody started finding online rounders. poker was. He was Dude, a, poker just took off. Just took off because money money maker, which is like the most ironic name ever in the world of poker. His actual name, Chris Moneymaker, was a normal guy that went and won the World Series of Poker. So now it became like anybody can do it and qualified through which, an onliner, which really launched poker to what it is today. He he was the guy that launched it, and it was a huge event. Then it went from like having five or six hundred entrants. Eight thousand because of the poker boom. All right, everybody, thanks for joining us. That's Fun it. One. We gave thanks, you uh, a lot to consider. Hey, don't buy any stocks unless you want to lose money, like Bency and I. And uh, if you ever want to make extra money, join the syndicate. Just Bye. another episode of Jump the Shark is in the books. Ross and I hope you had fun with us, and we made your week a little better. If you love the show, you can help the show. Please subscribe to us wherever it is you listen to your podcast. You can also show some love by telling others about Charterhouse Real Estate. We have made it easy for you to talk about us by charging sellers a lot less commission. They will thank you for giving them our name. We truly appreciate your support, and we will talk to you next week.